0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the NQ podcast, which is a project that I've been wanting to get going for quite some time. And basically, what this is going to be is a way for me to interact and get to know and learn from people who are doing interesting things and bringing interesting insight and perspective into the world of gaming and esports, and perhaps even beyond that, where I might be able to bring on some people who are involved in sports psychology and performance psychology. And who knows? Realistically, I just want to talk to interesting people and learn from them and also provide you all, the viewers, with some interesting insight into various topics that are cool and developing spaces in our world today. Um, so, the first guest that I'm bringing on is Ursinity. Uh, some people might know him as Sam or Ursi. He is the host of the Fourth Spirit podcast, formerly known as Dot P or Defense of the Patience. He's been a podcaster, a Dota 2 podcaster for almost eight years at this point, putting out about a thousand episodes and has been one of the most consistent and positive forces in the Dota community as far as content creators go. Um, He's a very smart guy, a teacher, And somebody who works with kids on a regular basis to, you know, educate them and help them perform in school and has also kind of translated some of that to helping Dota players get better at the game as well um, as their podcast for uh, focuses kind of on a educational but casual perspective on the game. And so we had a really good conversation about sort of content creation, how to create good content uh, the pitfalls of becoming a content creator slash influencer in the space, and what that entails, um, as well as sort of like general philosophy on teaching and balancing gaming and life. And also, we got some interesting baseball talk at the end, since I'm a former baseball player and he's kind of a baseball nerd these days as well. um But I hope you enjoyed the conversation. It was really nice to have Ursi on and. Um, If you have not already subscribed to the channel, which probably most of you who are watching this are subscribed, but I appreciate you guys for supporting me as I continue my content journey. And I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. So let's go ahead and get into the episode. I'm very happy to introduce everybody to Ursinity. Uh, Do you want me to call you
1: Ursinity or Sam? Does it matter? Either is fine. Ursinity is a lot of syllables, so (laughs) Sam (laughs) is fine. Ursie is fine. I feel like. I mean, this is already, like, a deep cut for an introduction, but (laughs) I just kind of got stuck with the name Arsenity. It was, like, a placeholder name I used for, like, a Tumblr blog in 2012 because I had always changed my names and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I used really generic names before. Like, I was Mango for a long time. Like, there's 1,000 people who do things on the internet named Mango. Uh, So I was like, oh, I need a new name. And my friend was like, oh, Arsenity, which is a dumb in-joke that I will not explain. And so... (laughs) i kind of just got shackled to that name you know 10 years ago because sure. i didn't plan on producing things where i would have to say that name and people <laughs> would have to know that name so that's why i've shortened it to ursi because two syllables it's simple a lot True. of people think it means i went to like Ursuline college or whatever it doesn't it's just a bear thing um that's fair i'm not a bears fan either we're, yeah, we're getting Ursy's a little fine. bit more already <laughs> which yeah, is great yeah i I've told that story many times, and that's why I've told the full story by the name for many times, and that's how I've learned that it's a bad story, and that's why I don't really tell it anymore, because it's not that interesting. Um, but Ursi's fine, Sam's fine. There's just, there's a lot of Sam's, like, my sure. Dota stack has, like, five Sam's out of the seven people. It's unreal how many Sam's there are, so uh, <laughs> Ursi's fine. <laughs> cool. Well, so those of you who
0: don't know uh, Ursi, um, you are a Dota podcaster. Uh, Mm -hmm. and a dota player uh you are a teacher as well um is it middle school high school what
1: um what grade do you teach so i was teaching middle school for the last couple years i was teaching seventh grade which is like the first half of u.s history aka the boring half um and then uh as of recently though i've been teaching high school which is an interesting jump but i run a credit recovery program so basically like if kids are At least in New York State, there's very specific standards for if you want to graduate high school, you need to have Global One done, Global Two done, U.S. history done, Gov and Econ. And so if, you know, Johnny Jones is failing U.S. history in 11th grade, he then would get pulled out of his U.S. history class and put into my program. And then we do like an intensive version of that for like one quarter or half the year. And that way, kids that are at risk of not graduating can then do like an intensive one-on-one program with me to get them the credits to graduate hopefully. Okay. Um, so that's what I do at a high school and uh, you can imagine the clientele I get, but I'm a pretty successful. So, well, <laughs> I mean, that's uh,
0: you know, it's probably pretty good training for Dota was probably pretty good training for that. And I kind of <laughs> wanted to get yeah. into that because it's, it's actually really my pleasure to bring you on here because um, you've, I mean, you've been podcasting for like six, Seven years now, something like that, pretty close yeah. to that. And you started off in a podcast called Dot P or Defense of the patients mm-hmm. Um which coincidentally I think I started listening to when I moved from Colorado to Oregon, where I live now, and I was looking for work, and so I was just doing a bunch of odd jobs. I was like building a fence and I I was kind <laughs> of into Dota um towards the end of the time that I was living in Colorado. I I played Dota one and I was on and off with Dota during college and stuff like that, but I kind of had stopped playing and was getting back into it and following the pro scene and trying to consume as much Dota stuff as possible. Um, and so while I was doing these random odd jobs, I would listen to podcasts about Dota and yours was one of the first ones that I found. Um, and because it was super well-produced and you had some very interesting and, and good characters on the show as hosts, um, it became a very sort of like regular, entertainment thing for me to to enjoy while i was doing work and looking for jobs and stuff like that and it kind mm-hmm. of almost pushed me into what i'm doing now which is i mean i've been a content creator now in the gaming and esports space for about five years um and i kind of owe a little bit of that credit to you guys because uh i, know. I mean you guys were like a couple of 5k players a couple of bad players as well you're kind of teaching each other and i was like you know what I'm not going to be a pro player, but I know a decent amount about strategy and gaming and stuff like that. I bet I could probably talk about this as well and make content. So it was that's uh, awesome. kind
1: of an interesting jumping off point for me. Boy, yeah, that, I mean, that's the goal, really. I've had, so you guys, podcast is like a growing hobby. Um, and it's both a growing industry and also a growing hobby, which is an interesting kind of space to be in. But I've had a um, a few people tell me stories like that. of like, oh, like, I wanted to make podcasts because I listened to podcasts and I realized like, oh, this isn't something that, you know, famous comedians do. It's something that like everybody can do if they want to. Right. And that's not to say that's easy or doesn't require commitment, but it is something that I kind of stumbled my way into where I was a listener of dot P during their first like run of like 50 episodes. And I was the annoying, because at the time it was only like the quote unquote bad players of the of the later <laughs> var- varied podcasts. So I was the, you know, annoying kind of like 4K, k later 5K player who was like, actually, you know, you're wrong about this. blah 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 blah, And so they're like, you know what? like, And also I was in their in-houses and uh, I was the best player in the in-houses. And so then later on they were like, oh, you know, do you want to like come on for a guest spot? Like, oh, you know, whatever. And then later on that guest spot went really well. um And they were like, oh, you know, why don't we like just do a whole show? And so then I started a new show, Aircraft Thursdays, and then very quickly I brought my longtime friend Proud on, um, and then the rest kind of just we it worked out nicely. That's but funny. you just like, start, flexed your I way was just into a listener. A show. <laughs> I was literally uh, I, I've, this is one of my uh, stories that I haven't told in a long time, but I gave my own podcast a four star review, and that's how I like first got mentioned on the podcast. Like, yeah we they would re- it was very small at the time so they would read every review they got like on the show oh, okay and gotcha. like they they would all, always be five star podcast reviews usually later on we got some one stars but that's kind of another topic um but i was the first four star podcast review that they got and they're like oh this guy ursinity like he said i can't remember what the what the review was totally but i was like oh you know great show love it except you know something like i think i said one of the hosts like you know Argued too much, or something mm. like that. Like, it was just some silly thing that was like an in joke where I was like, Yeah, I love the show, but I'm just kind of making a joke and making four stars. And then, you know, a month later, suddenly I'm hosting the podcast. And like, Yeah, we have a 4.8 out of five because, because of you. <laughs> you, the host of the podcast, gave us a four. And uh <laughs> yeah, so I, it, it's interesting the kind of people you meet and, like listening to content and engaging with content and you just kind of stumble into, oh, I guess I do this now. Like, oh, I guess, right. yeah, this is a full part of my life. And now eight years later, I've been doing it, you know, we have a thousand episodes on the feed in total. That um, That is which, crazy. I mean, I, yeah. I've produced
0: probably about a thousand plus videos over several different channels. But I mean, eight years of i would say almost 100 consistency like maybe you're not doing one every week or two every week or whatever but you're doing very very consistent work to be able to put out that much content and i kind of wanted oh, to yeah. dive into that a little bit like what drew you to content creation outside of um kind of just falling into it like why why was this something that you because not everybody can go on a show and have it go well enough to the point where they're like hey come back for more and then suddenly Mm -hmm. you're hosting the show right because that that obviously shows that you have some aptitude for communication already so is that something that you like went to school for or that you like doing already or kind of happened
1: yeah I mean so like being a teacher my job is to talk right and my job is also to engage people that don't really want to be there so that naturally kind of parlayed itself into podcasting in some regards even when I first started I was still in college and I had not entered a classroom yet at all. But I think when I first started, I was at I was probably like a sophomore in college. And that was when I was thinking of uh, being a speechwriter. That was something that I pursued very like casually political
0: speeches or, or... Uh,
1: I mean, generally, yeah, but hmm. speech writing in general more. I'm just kind of fascinated with speech and language and kind of how one can use certain words versus other words. And luckily, I didn't go into that because I think I would have lost my mind. Um, but <laughs> I've always been something that likes to talk about. I always did speech and debate when I was younger. Um, it's something that obviously I really enjoy and I like to think I'm pretty good at. Um, and conveniently, I have a voice for it. I like Whenever we would play, you know, Cards Against Humanity, mm-hmm. whenever I would play like with my friends in college, they'd be like, oh, Sam, you should read the cards because like you do the reading voice. And it's just something that <laughs> I guess I just, again, happened to stumble into. And then, I mean, when it comes to making stuff and doing content, I have always played dota right i played dota 1 just like you right i've obviously played dota 2 base well actually literally the entire time it's been out because i got into the beta pretty early um and i always wanted to engage with it on another level right so when this kind of opportunity fell into my lap it was a natural thing to do right all right i'm good at talking and i'm reasonably good at dota and these people want to do it with me so it was very natural Right. I had friends already within Dota. So it was natural and luckily Proud, who now does not do the podcast anymore because he doesn't really play Dota right now. But Proud and I already had an established dynamic. So we didn't have to go through some of the growing pains that certain podcasts have to. Um, Mm. That makes sense. And it was it was just pretty natural. Right. Like I I like to talk to a fault. Some might say that's why some (laughs) of our podcasts are a little on the long side, which is just a stylistic thing. Right. Like anybody listening to this, I'm sure listen to other podcasts as well. And there are podcasts that are 30 minutes long and are very condensed and very edited. And there are podcasts that are four hours long and it's just like, you know, a bunch of friends talking and to each their own. So we try to hit somewhere in the middle where we are edited and focused, but we're not, you know, 30 minutes in the morning, right? right. I am somebody that, the big thing that got me into podcasts was at my old job, I, it was an office job where I was just like sitting around grading baseball cards for eight hours a day. So that meant I had eight hours to listen to podcasts. And so I voraciously consumed any and every kind that was vaguely interesting to me. Isn't it crazy that you actually
0: run out of content sometimes? Like, (laughs) despite having these like three hour long chunks of entertainment, you will still run out of content to listen to if you're doing something that's kind of like manual labor or or similar.
1: Yeah, it's unreal. And especially like I have like some one of my current co-hosts, Zach, he listens to podcasts all in like two times speed. Mm. And I'm just like, how do you not run out of stuff, regardless of whether that's a good way to consume podcasts? That's kind of a pointless debate to have. I can't do it, but some people can clearly. But, um, it's fascinating to me that he listens to everything, like it just to have background noise, I guess. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I my backlog has grown ever since I started teaching, which is not a podcast listening job, um, right? <laughs> but my commute is long enough that I have tailored my podcast listening kind of roster mm-hmm. to a point that works for my commute. But, um, do you have being, any like specific shout out podcasts that you, you really uh, enjoy on a regular basis? Good question. Well, I will say, uh, I'm very good friends with, uh, the host of we like Dota. That's kind of my regular Dota stack is the host of fourth spirit and the host of we like Dota. And okay. that we all play together. So, We Like Dota is another very good Dota podcast that is stylistically different from Fourth Spirit, formerly .p. Um, and so, th- that podcast I'll recommend. And then, being very into baseball recently, I like the John Boy Media podcast, right? they have Talking Baseball and Talking Yanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, my favorite podcast is What a Time to Be Alive, which is a comedy podcast where they just kind of riff about, like, weird news stories, which is the... Honestly, not a very original idea for a podcast, but they do it incredibly well, and it's very easy listening, mm-hmm. which is fun. Like, I don't have to think, right, when I'm commuting to work at 6 a.m., I don't want to listen to a podcast about politics or, like, I don't want to listen to, like, true crime. I want right. to listen to somebody talk about like, oh, this lady got lost in the ocean. Like, great, <laughs> that's fun. And you have sure. funny, like, they're actual comedians, not just a bunch of schmucks like me. So it's a very fun podcast. So that that's my recommendation is What a Time to Be Alive. A really wonderful podcast, and uh, good re-listening material too. Like you said, you run out of shows. So I've listened to like all of the dollop probably three times now. And mm-hmm. listened to all what a time to be alive a couple times over. Um so yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. Uh,
0: yeah, so I mean it, it kind of sounds like and it's very interesting how this usually happens in life. I've noticed that you, you said that you you knew you did debate stuff and you kind of were already into the whole. Like speaking for a living to some extent mm-hmm. um not planning to do a podcast a i'm opinion. sure like 10 years ago but it just yeah. it, like trained mm-hmm. you to do it and yeah. um i i definitely feel similar parallels were like you know i when i wanted to do dota content it wasn't that i necessarily was like i'm going to create a dota channel that does this specifically it was like yeah i've played sports i've coached sports. I like talking about strategy. I guess this kind of makes sense, right? And like a lot of the time you just Absolutely. kind of accumulate skills through just general life experience that will then translate if you get a little bit creative on, on how you want to apply them to something that you're trying
1: to do. Um, Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's like, especially when we talk about like making content, a lot of the best content is people taking a skill that is not a skill or like a wheelhouse, I guess we could say and applying it somewhere that is unexpected or somewhere that that thing has not been applied to yet. So like within Dota podcasting for example, dot .p was pretty big um and still fourth spirit because we did a name change that maybe we'll get into later. Um is still pretty big just because there weren't Dota podcasts at the time, mm-hmm. right? And even now there are a there are a bunch, but there are not that many, right? Like if you look for Dota podcasts, we will come up pretty quickly. Um and there's a lot of advantage in that, right? So like like with your case right if you're taking a novel approach to something even if that thing is big and has a lot of content already that novel approach kind of carves out a niche and that's what you're looking for in content so yeah
0: that that whole niche like find a niche that's such like a a generic piece of advice that anyone who's making sort of like how (laughs) how to create content how to become a content creator is like find your niche but it's real because there's there's literally like infinite niches because yeah, even even like you said, there have been kind of a, a blossoming of all sorts of Dota podcasts recently. It, it seems like everybody yeah. and their mom is now like, oh, wait, I should be making more content because yeah. we can get into the state of, of esports content <laughs> if we want to. <laughs> we, we definitely can. But, <laughs> but you're right. Like you guys were legitimately one of the first Dota podcasts and you were certainly the best one at the time, in my opinion where you had like a good mix of education which is something that I was interested in like and I don't mean education in a traditional sense but like teaching people how to get better at the game teaching people how to think about the game but also entertainment and even today that still holds up because you know you've got quite a few sort of like Dota or esports celebrity style people that now have podcasts yeah but yours still stands out from those because it has maintained that identity of being kind of like a a casual but also educational source of entertainment about this game that people are fanatically interested in.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we get this with sports too, right? So there are uh there's a lot of sports content on like ESPN for example from actual professional athletes who go super in-depth mm. and it gets to a almost like nerdy point that some people like and that's wonderful. But also, I like certain like baseball content specifically by pretty just like regular people that happen to know a lot, right? Because you get – I don't want to say dumb – dumbed down is the wrong word for it. But um, it's a difference between listening to a podcast from somebody like me or Zach or Proud or you who are a good player but not a professional. Because a Mm. professional has a different kind of lens and a professional might not be good at the talking part, right? Um, a professional is going to maybe assume that the listener has more knowledge than they actually do, right? On 4th Spirit, totally. we specifically tailor our podcast, especially Tuesday was called, or is slash was called Teach Me Tuesday, because one of our hosts, B-Dub, is like a quote-unquote average player, right? She's like 1,800 MMR, 2,000 MMR-ish. And mm-hmm. that gives that teaching lens, right? And I think that's a skill, or I should say an asset of ours for a long time is, Like, we're very happy to admit there are thousands of players much better than us, but we make content for the average player, right? The average person who's improving to be a good player, right? Or the good player who just wants to be kind of mentally engaged in the theory crafting uh, process. Right. We, like, have had opportunities to have, like, really good players on, and a lot of times we're like, we don't really want, like, an 8K player here to, like, lecture us. Like, that's not what we're going for. We're going for a casual, fun approach that is still at the end of the day, you're going to learn something, right? We might be dicking around for an hour and a half, but there is some kernel in the middle that's like, all right, but we're, like, we're casually discussing, but there is a focus always, right? It's not just talking about our weekend Dota. We always have segments prepared. We always have heroes prepared. And we try to keep things, you know, focused within reason, but still casual because... You know, we're casual people, right? I'm never going to make serious content. Even our deep dive shows are theoretically more serious. The deep dives are like an hour on one hero specifically. Mm-hmm. But even those are tailored for the average player, right? We're not talking about some like, you know, 9K strategy where you do this thing by creep blocking on Enigma with idolons and this blah, 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 blah. Like that's just, we know that it's not applicable to the average player. So why would we spend 30 minutes talking about it? That's always been our perspective.
0: I think that's a pitfall that um, a lot of content creators fall into because, realistically, 100%. in the content creation space, regardless of whether you're talking about gaming or finance or whatever, you have kind of two different types, right? There's the people that are trying to educate, and then there's the people that are just trying to entertain, and like it's yeah. almost always one or two, one of one of those two things. And so, as somebody who's made mostly educational content, um, I definitely have fallen into that pitfall where it's like you're trying to give too much information because at the end of the day, most people are coming to content for some sort of distraction and and there will be some sort of looking for real information. Like if you're trying to fix your car and you Google, like, how do I (laughs) you know replace my carburetor? Then you want a very detailed step-by-step instruction. But for the most part, when people go to YouTube or on podcasting, it's to fill time or to create background noise or something like that. And so if you're trying to get too granular and too deep into some like yeah. informationally dense topic, you're just going to lose people all the time anyway. And I've definitely done that where I'm like, I've got so much cool knowledge about this one thing that I really want to talk about. And I put it out and it does very poorly and it makes sense yeah. because it's like, 100%. It, it's like, you can only flex your own knowledge so much before people are going to be yeah. like, this person actually this knowledgeable (laughs) i don't really
1: care i kind of just want to get like the basic level and move on with my life. absolutely i mean it becomes um it becomes a bit kind of like egomaniacal right where some Mm -hmm. people are just like oh i'm so smart i need to like tell people how smart i am right and great like i'm glad that you're 9k mmr wonderful i will never do that you're clearly a thousand times better than me good job but that person making a video I will say I've definitely seen content and had content sent to me that is exactly what you're describing. It, where it's just like, oh, this person is really smart, but this content is not usable. Like nobody's right. learning anything from this. It's just like a clip show of like, oh wow, that person's really good at Pangolier. It's like, <laughs> okay, great. Like I've But I've learned nothing, right? right. Or, or, you know, again, a stereotype that is not necessarily true of all pro player content, but a lot of pro player content is just so either dense or so much assumed knowledge That is not usable, right? A big thing I've always set out when people ask me, oh, how do I get better at Dota? One of my big guidelines, and this applies to everything, not just Dota, I would say, is focus on one thing at a time, right? You don't learn, like, mid-game. That's not Mm -hmm. a thing you learn, right? You learn itemization on TA, right? So if you're playing a game, you set one focus, you accomplish that one focus and that's what your goal was. And then you reflect on that focus if you're really trying to improve, right? Whenever I've done coaching in the past, I do the same thing. Right? say, so, all right. It's you're... an education background. It's like,
0: this is, there's yeah. a reason that you actually go to school to learn to educate people because there <laughs> yeah. is a good way to do it. And I mean, yeah. I, I feel like when you have a game like Dota or I've kind of had to re-experience a lot of these things now that I'm very into Valorant as well, which is kind of like mm-hmm. becoming a very complex game that is going to continue to get even more
1: complex as they add more moving parts to it oh yeah where i was watching some last night and i was like oh boy this is very different than the beta i played you know a year ago
0: (laughs) yeah and and it's just going to continue to do that and like i can see these people coming over from like cs or overwatch or, or call of duty or fortnite or whatever and all obviously all those games have their own complexities but i'm like these players have no idea what's gonna happen in a year. Yeah. Where like there's gonna be 70 different agents or characters to pick from, and they're all gonna have their own unique interactions. And it and you can get kind of caught up approaching something like that where you want to learn about it and you just kind of like dive in and you dive into everything at the same time. Yeah.
1: And, and it's it, too much.
0: Then you pick up nothing. And you just never get good, right? You, you can all you can get like mediocre at a little bit of everything but you're never going to become really good at something unless you take that sort of like measured approach and do step-by-step early game, one character, one character in one particular situation, and then just kind of like slowly build up your little base of knowledge. And then once you have really mastered one thing, then you can move on to the next thing. And I mean, like you said, it it really just applies to anything. Like you want to learn guitar, you want to become an artist, you want to, uh become a podcaster you want to learn how to do stock trading it's like you can't just dive into the whole thing and be like I'm going to learn everything there is to learn about this it's like
1: yeah you're, you're it, never going
0: to get good at anything like that
1: yeah it's like in an, an adult mentality to learning right i feel like as a kid i especially being like I'm a history teacher professionally and I like history you don't just learn american history right you learn this section and then that section and then another mm-hmm. section right uh, if you're learning chess, yeah, you don't just learn openings. You'll say, all right, I'm going to learn this opening. I'm going to refine this opening against this opponent opening, right? And right. then you spend a month on that one opening, right? So um, it is, and like I said, I think it's a more mature way to learn. Whereas as a kid, I remember, I'm trying to think what it was, but as a kid, I remember going to the library and being like, I'm going to learn about sea monsters because I was really into like cryptids as a kid. Uh, to a fault. I have, like a lifelong irrational fear of Bigfoot because I as a kid just like <laughs> consumed only Bigfoot material for like a year. And yeah. even now as an adult, I'll be like in the woods and like upstate New York, like with friends. And I'm like, you know, there's some some kernel in the back of my mind. It's just like, you know, you might get murdered by a huge man-like monkey. Um, have you but, ever been to the Pacific Northwest? Because I mean, these forests out here yeah. are, are some yeah. real kind of land. Filled with <laughs> <filled stuff. this laughs> But me yeah, as a kid, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to learn everything about, you know, sea monsters so then i would learn all of them at once and then learn nothing like you know i'm sure everybody who's been to school has like had to read a book and then realize that they've learned nothing from reading that book um because they read 300 pages instead of focusing on a chapter and another chapter so oh, yeah absolutely it's and you know not everybody wants to get better at games which i think is another important thing when it comes to content creation to acknowledge oh my god i know right like <laughs> that's a big thing on fourth spirit like i was actually in our discord Um, which is good if you're into Dota, at slash fourth. We we had a big conversation the other day. (laughs) (laughs) We had a uh, big conversation the other day where somebody was like, oh, you know, I was really motivated by doing the all-hero challenge when I first came back. I finished it. Now I'm looking for something else to do. I'm not really motivated. Like, what do I do? And so I, and they were saying, one of their caveats was like, I don't, like, I'm not getting better. And so one of my first questions, which is a question I've asked a lot of people, even people like Coach, which is maybe not best for my finances, being that they pay me to, to to make them good. But I've told them, like, do you actually want to be better? Like, you don't have to be better. You can just mm-hmm. play the game, right? And I think in certain things, especially a competitive game like Valorant or like uh, Dota or CSGO or anything with MMR, people feel pressured. To be like, oh, well, I'm investing all this time. I must get better at it. But most of the happiest people I know as far as, like, video game players are very uh, content with how they are. Like, I know I'm very content with where I am, skill level-wise, and I'm not going to drive myself crazy, like trying to grind MMR and improve, right? I'm always getting better, but I just know that about myself, right? And that's not true of everybody. But I think some people maybe need to learn that lesson a little bit, where they are not enjoying a game that is ultimately supposed to be fun, because they spend too much time thinking about, oh, I need to get better, I need to min-max. It's like, no what if you didn't like what right. if you just had fun like you could just pick death profit who cares like just play the game right you don't need to think oh death profit what if i start with a quelling blade how will i stack creep camps with that quelling blade if i cut these trees oh but well, they respawn at four minutes and <laughs> oh okay but then i'm gonna miss my rune if i miss my rune then i'm gonna lose the mid match against these heroes but not these heroes it's like calm down we don't need this play dota just right. enjoy the game right yeah and i mean that, i've definitely burned out and like all that kind of stuff
0: i've definitely been that that person before who is too and, and still am on a regular yeah. basis depending on what i'm into these days is not so much dota I've, I've i feel like i've finally kind of kicked that habit of trying to take it too seriously mm-hmm. um, Me too. but it, it is interesting and especially maybe you can speak on this a little bit, but I found that as I was becoming more and more involved as a content creator in Dota, I felt more and more pressure to be oh, good yeah. at the game and be knowledgeable about it. And that made me take <laughs> it sure. way more seriously and enjoy the game way less. And so I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on taking something like a hobby and turning it into a job. I mean, are you were you ever like trying to go full-time podcasting in Dota? Was that something that crossed your mind? And, and how did that affect like your mentality in the game about the game and was that kind of a, a factor in not doing it because obviously you have a full-time career outside
1: of the, the hobbyist Dodo podcast. yeah boy donnie you're such a professional that was like the best segue i've heard in a <laughs> long time and i have to do segues all the time i'm like boy i wish i could do that so if we part this out i will say to and to answer the part about whether i've ever thought about podcasting as a profession it is something that I would be doing anyway. And so I'm happy to make, you know, a little bit of money from it. Also, that pays the bills, because it's not free to make a bigger podcast, right? Like okay. we have hosting costs like that. But um there were times where we within dot P, especially, because that was a bit more business focused, Fourth Spirit, post-rebrand and management change. We are much more clearly casual and our we've never our goal has never been to be professional podcasters. And I only I only I only was able to make that change once I saw what the reality of being a professional podcaster or even, for that matter, a professional content creator would be like, um, or working in esports, right? So in .p days, when we were fairly large at one point, we had opportunities to go and cast at LAN events, Mm -hmm. and we kind of, it didn't work out, and part of it was that I wasn't, like, I saw the reality of what being a Dota caster would be or what being a Dota esports person would be, And I acknowledge that for some people, that's right. And for some people, that's awesome. I'm not one of those people, right? Like, I like the stability of being a teacher, Mm -hmm. right? I like, but also I love the content creation part. So it's a fun secondary hobby, right? And if I happen to make a little money, wonderful, right? But it's ultimately just a thing that I like. So I've thought about it, but then I was very quickly kind of, once I combed through my Rolodex of experiences working with different people that are more esports focused, and once i started like i had to negotiate contracts once and i was like i never want to do this ever again like Mm -hmm. i don't want to have to talk to an advertiser and like nickel and dime them for an extra one dollar per million uh, per thousand views like that sucks that's not fun right like it it does like you said donnie it sucks some of the fun out of the content creation process but like oh this is my job now like oh i have to like do this or i can't eat right like the thought of that is enough to kick me out and something like that hustle mentality that i just don't have and more power to them um but i like it's just not for me um to get to the other part of your question though i definitely like i think anybody who works in content has had that problem that you're describing right where you make content that is educational or even if you just make content in general there's always some you, you person you just never want to be critical. ill-informed about something that you're talking about even yes, even if that's it is purely
0: for entertainment so, yeah.
1: yeah i think there's a really good maybe this is more for dota people but uh, this reference but kip's pull, uh, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She's mm-hmm. been like a stats person and a coach for a lot of like pro Dota teams, and she's very smart about Dota. She does a very good do- job. All I mean, I'm not a super big pro Dota person to be perfectly honest, but I know her teams tend to do well, and she always has very interesting and and, and like well, extremely well strategized and thought out takes. But she's not like a high more player at all, right. and she gets a lot of flack for that from people that do not kind of acknowledge the. There's not a direct comparison between your badge or your MMR and your skill level. There's a general comparison, but there's so many other factors, right? And so if Kipsbowl was spending, you know, 15 hours of her day grinding solo queue games, she would not have 15 hours a day to research and provide stats-based content or uh, coaching to the pro players that she coaches who could they trust her. Like these AK players are not being tricked. By some mischievous 3k player. They're like oh no this person's really smart. And we're going to pay them because they're really smart. And they know and they're going to make us better. So um but yeah I will say I've fallen into that trap. As well where like I made it. I've only I've been like a 4k and mid 4k. And into 5k player the whole time. Mm-hmm. And anytime I've ever fallen below 4k. During a like uh, recalibration. I've always made a point to push back up. Because. I know I can climb MMR, but I've hit a like reasonable cap in terms of how I enjoy the game, how I want to enjoy the game, and the content I want to make. But when I was new, it was a big deal for me where in my like first year of podcasting, I made like a whole big climb to 5K. I was driving myself crazy, like, you know, both making content, but also like climbing that way. My content was acknowledged by the masses because I didn't want to have some Reddit thread that's like, oh, you know, these these .dot .p weirdos, oh, they give us all these advice, but they, it's advice that only applies to their Guardian players. Or at the time, it was all numbers. It's like, oh, these 3K scrubs. When, you know, um, Kip's, bull well, again, she made content recently, and she had a whole thread on Twitter about it that was really insightful, where she's saying, like, well, people were criticizing the content they made because it was focused at making 2K players better. But, like... They were saying, "Oh well, you know, you should make harder, like uh, you should make higher level content." She's like, "Yeah, well, most people are 2K level players. Why would I make content for 6K players? They're already good enough. Like, there's not a lot of those, and they're not searching out my videos." Um, So, yeah, I, I think once I stopped caring about my MMR and I stopped like, you know. especially now that I'm more casual about it and not business mind. I'm like, yeah, if you don't want to listen to my podcast, fine. Like, I don't care. Like, this is my hobby. I do this for fun. And like, I think I'm right. I always, you know, like you said, I would never misinform people intentionally. And we always are looking at stats and doing the math and stuff like that. And, but we say wrong things, right? Because like we're people, right? You know, we we have other things to do. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's a balance. It's a balancing act, but you can definitely fall down the, like you said, the pitfall. Of making your content worse because you are thinking of secondary things. When at the end of the day, what's important is good content. Yeah, and
0: perhaps even just to circle it all the way back, just enjoying the process of making the content. Because yeah, absolutely, uh, I, I kind of do want to jump off a little bit into into burnout as well, because that's something that I've dealt with, and it's a very prevalent topic in kind of just esports in oh, yeah. general these days. Um, and as somebody who's been doing content consistently for what you said, like eight years now, I mean, I'm sure there were probably some periods of time where maybe it's <laughs> and when I was doing Dota Alchemy with Jenkins, there were definitely periods of time where both of us would have a massive downswing of just loss after loss, after loss, yep. after loss. Oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. This and sucks. You're like, this is not fun. This sucks. I suck. How can I make content if I suck? Nobody's going to want to watch that. Oh yeah. And that inevitably is going to lead to burnout because then you're grinding even harder to like get back to where you feel like you are good enough to talk about the subject. Um so have you experienced burnout at various points in this 8-year career of podcasting and if so, how did you deal with um I don't know whether it's like reigniting the creative fire or just like finding the mm-hmm. fun in creating something again. Um, it's it's definitely yeah. something that is is very tough and very prevalent to do.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think if you're not experiencing burnout, that something is wrong. Like, that's weird, right? Like, everybody over a course of years and years of doing stuff has to experience com- some kind of burnout, right? Whether it's in your profession or in your hobby, you're going to hit pitfalls, to keep using that term, where, you know, you have to kind of pass a... Uh, pass a test. I don't know. There's some metaphor here that I can't quite think of. Um, But the I I mean, like I've had burnout for sure. Right. And content was a motivator for me where I knew one of the big things I've said many times and is very true of me is there were times where I was only playing Dota for the podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I knew I couldn't record a podcast without playing Dota. But I knew that if I don't put out a Thursday show, Let's just say a thousand people are not going to have a good commute that morning because a thousand people are expecting that an hour ish long show talking about Dota, having fun, making jokes is going to come out. So, if that show doesn't come out, or if that show comes out and it's overly negative, or if it's overly boring, or whatever, then those thousand people are going to have like a bad commute and a bad work day potentially. Right. And so, that was always a big motivator for me was just, you know, because again, as a podcast listener, Like, there are certain podcasts I listen to where they'd have a bad episode where it was clear that, like, oh, these guys are not enjoying recording this. Mm. And it's, like, a bummer. It's not cool, right? Especially there's the, you know, everybody kind of loves to throw around the terms like parasocial relationship and stuff like that. But there is a closeness that you get between content and the consumer where, you know, if, if I listen to What a Time to Be Alive every day for a year and a half, I kind of, there's a comfort and like, there's a familiarity to, oh, I'm going to hear these jokes from these people and whatever, and it's going to be bright and fun. And so when it comes to me burning out, you kind of have to mask that and you have to find a way around it because you need to make something that's good. Mm. Right. And that's also why sometimes we don't put a show out because we're like, well, we don't have anything good to put out right now. So we're not going to force it. You know, when Dota has been bad, right, because, you know, the nice thing or one of the weird things about esports compared to certain other kinds of podcasts is we have patches. So in Dota, there's been times where the game has been bad (laughs) or the game has been bad for us specifically, right? Mm -hmm. Like proud. He's on a, on a, uh, on a indefinite hiatus right now. And you know, he's still on casual shows. And obviously like I still hang out with proud all the time, but he's not doing Dota podcasts because they ruined lone Druid and they being ice frog and like the, the balancing. And he's like, well, I, he's a carry player. Carry sucks right now to play. Like, it's a really punishing position. And his favorite hero that he, like, literally helped design. Like, Valve, like, asked him questions and, like, used his input to modify the hero. Oh, wow. Which is what I not that. That's cool. Yeah. We've, that, we've talked about that on podcast, so it's not secret knowledge. But Valve does that. Like, Ice Frog does that. That is a well-known thing. Is like, beta testers and stuff like that. They talk to people that have thousands of games on certain heroes that are, like, Thought leaders is an incredibly improper term here. People that...
0: (laughs) Cult leaders about specific heroes.
1: Yeah, well, like, because Proud is known as, like, a lone druid guy, right? He runs... He ran at the time one of the bigger Dota 2 podcasts, and he was known as the LD guy. Mm. And so they, like, just gutted that hero and made it really different in ways that he did not like. And so that killed his uh, motivation to play the game and therefore do the podcast eventually. Because... He knows he's like you know I can't be disingenuous and record a podcast that I about a game that I'm not playing and not enjoying. Yep. And so we would have weeks where like you know if you're not enjoying the game I'm not enjoying the game. Why would we put out some negative show? So then we'd either like put out some riff show where we just kind of hung out and talked about Dota more generally, or maybe we'd ask answer some weird listener questions that are just kind of goofy, or we just not put out a show. Yeah. Right. Um. Because you don't want to, you know, like I said, you don't want to put out something bad or something that's lazy right and that's a when we talk about content creation that's i think a hard thing for a lot of people that are newer to con- content creation do is like oh i have to put out a show and then they put out something bad and then that turns off listeners right yeah oh my god i mean it, yeah i i
0: really it, it's it's just striking such a chord with me because i've been <laughs> yeah. through this many times and even now like i have this new Valorant channel that I've been building almost as like a side project for the last six months or so. But now it's actually, you know, giving these views and as bringing mm-hmm. me some sort of ad revenue where it's like a, a chance that I actually can just kind of like make videos yeah. full time again. Yeah. But the whole focus of this was to basically undo all the mistakes that I made while doing Dota Alchemy. Because, yeah, for Dota Alchemy, I mean, we were doing nearly a video a day for like wow. two years.
1: And that's, that's a lot. <laughs> and that's uh, a lot of editing. and It's one of those things that it was, I definitely have a different appreciation for content creation having done it that it I think a lot bad. of people don't get. They're like, oh, a podcast, you just like talk to your friend for an hour. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Right. We do editing. We have to make sure everything's good. We have to make a topic list. Anyway, so that is a lot of work that you've done, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and, and so like just that whole process of at that point and it was kind of important with the dota alchemy channel that we did put out a video every day otherwise we wouldn't Mm -hmm. hit a income threshold where we could both pay rent and so there's an added level of (laughs) pressure that made it even more uncomfortable um and so i've been very very careful this time around and this is only something that you really learn from doing it and making the mistakes or having somebody who's made the mistakes tell you And even then you probably still won't actually grasp it until you've experienced it yourself. But now I only make videos about things that I think are very interesting to a general audience. And I only make videos when I feel an inspiration to talk about something at a level that is going to be engaging. And right now I'm kind of in a creative slump personally, where I was putting out a video or two videos a week, and it was pretty easy to do mm-hmm. that because there was a lot to talk about and I was learning a lot. But recently, I just haven't been as interested in making content. And still, there's this very strong part of me that's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you you're not making to. money yeah. because you didn't make content today. Like, you have to get out there and you have to just force yourself to be creative. But it's almost impossible to do that. Like, there's, there's yeah. definitely steps you can take to kind of like you know, release some creative juices. But ultimately, if you're not passionate about what you're creating, it's going to be very difficult to make it as good as you need it to be to be satisfying for you. And if you're not satisfied with what you're putting out, then you're never going to continue to put out stuff. And that's definitely one of the biggest leading causes of stuff like burnout.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's one of the other big like lessons that I've learned and taken to heart and something that I apply to all the content we make And something that I've told other people, because occasionally I'll get people that are like, oh, you know, Ursi, I'm thinking of starting a podcast, like, can I chat with you for an hour about it? And one of the big things I always say is, you never know what episode is going to be somebody's first episode. And so when it comes to making a video or making content, you want to make all your content at least at a, like, median level of good, Mm -hmm. right? Because you don't know if that's somebody's first exposure to you, right? And... especially if you're doing it for, like, income and profession, that really applies. But even with my casual show, we have certain rules, not rules, more like guidelines for our content that we think, like, all right, we try not to make any content that's too divisive or too kind of, like, derogatory towards, like, Zeus players. Like, I kind of rag on Zeus players all the time. But if somebody's first episode is me talking about how they're a skillless idiot, Mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, right, well, this guy sucks, and I'm never going to listen to it. (laughs) Same thing with, like, I used to, when I would play Dota for a long time, I'm kind of notorious for changing my in-game name all the time. It's a superstition I have. Much like, I mean, you as a baseball player. Baseball players have all kinds of crazy superstitions. Oh, yeah. Um, Many, many fun. The uh, Diamondbacks were on a 22-game road losing streak, and they were just putting more hats on with every (laughs) losing game. And, like, yeah, eventually it's going to be like a totem that's going to get us to win. Um, And so one of my things I changed my name all the time. But for a long time, when I was new to podcasting and content creation... I was like, all right, well, like, this is serious. People would friend me just to watch my games and, like, watch replays and track my kind of stuff that I was doing. And so I was like, all right, well, I have to be .p.urcy, right? Mm-hmm. Just like a clan tag that you'd use in, like, Warcraft 3 or whatever. Right. And so one of my big things then was, like, all right, I can't flame or be mad. Not that I'm that flamey or mad in my pubs. I actually play the game Fully Muted now, um, which is a pretty recent um, thing that I would recommend to a lot of people. But I was like, fans. all right, I, I can't be bad in any of my shows because that might be somebody's first exposure to me. And then they're going to make that connection when they listen to a podcast. I'm like, oh, that's that guy that's flaming that pub, right? Mm-hmm. And I've said that to other people that I've like either hired for the podcast or grouped with for the podcast or streamed with is you never want your first impression to be bad. So to circle back to the tangent I led is uh, you, when you make content, it's super hard to make all your content at least a baseline of good and it definitely burns people out and that's why a lot of you know you i'm sure having made a lot of content see this all the time and we see this a lot in dota not that i'm going to name any names but a lot of people make a podcast for like 12 episodes yep and then they realize that it's hard and it's not going to get you a lot of listeners fast even if you're a notable person that like has a following it's not easy to pull a following from one place to another yep and then they leave them right like I mean, maybe I will name one name. PPD has had like eight different Dota <laughs> podcasts. Every single one has lasted like twenty episodes, if that, and then five. Ended, right? Five is probably a better estimate. Yeah, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, far be it for me to be charitable to PPD, who is just the worst. Um, but. There are a bunch of different people that did that, and part of it is because it is a lot of work, right? Part of it because they are busy, right? Capitalist is somebody that I think is one of the better dota people when it comes to content creation and social media presence, stuff like that. I think he's very engaging, um whether or not you like him personally. like he does a lot of stuff and he's a he is like a good variety to his skill set and the content that he produces. But he also has had like three different dota podcasts mm-hmm. and you know, there are a lot of secondary things that go into it, but um, but, yeah, there's, a, like, it's very easy to see, like, if you just scroll through iTunes, if you look up anything, you will see tons of podcasts that are like, oh, last updated August 2018. Yep. Last updated, you know, June 2015. Right? Like, oh, great. this These people haven't made something in a while. Right? And then you instantly don't listen to that. Because, like, well, why would I listen? They don't do this anymore. Same right. thing with us. Right? Totally. Like, we put two shows out a week, and then we have one extra show for patrons that comes out on Monday and we never miss a week right like maybe we'll miss an episode or maybe an episode we'll have a different combination of hosts cuz somebody's busy right one of our hosts is in britain so sometimes we have t- weird time zone things but outside of one like month long scenario where we literally couldn't podcast because of contract problems when we were doing a rebrand um we've never had a week that hasn't had some kind of show on it right and that's a huge commitment. Like that's yeah. a lot. It's a lot I mean, of it, stuff. It so. really is.
0: And and like you said, I, I kind of wanted to get a little bit deeper into just the kind of relationship that you have with your listeners or your viewers, your consumers, mm-hmm. whatever it is, because and, and you threw out the word parasocial, and that's just kind of like a buzzword these days. It, it's so. a buzzword,
1: yeah. It's but, like one of those words that is meaningful, and yet people kind of use it in situations so that so much so that it has lost its meaning. Like gaslighting, that's another yeah. one. <laughs> oh, this is a word that means something. It right. doesn't just mean lying, but <laughs> people keep using it to mean lying, and now it means nothing. Like it's exactly. useless in the actual context of its use because people just throw it around. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Anyway,
0: the word of the day is is parasocial relationship. Parasocial no. <laughs> relationship. Yep. It's- but it is interesting, and because you, like what you were talking about with um, not wanting to give people a bad impression. Um, I, I mean, I definitely have had because I, I tend to get a little bit more toxic, or I, especially in the past, I've oh, definitely yeah. As a
1: competitive person. Like you know, de- it just it happens.
0: Yeah, it, it happens. I've definitely had people be like. I'm not going to watch your content anymore because I've had you in my pub and I did yeah. not like you in my pub. And like yeah. that is, you know, I, your prerogative. I totally get it. But this relationship that you have with your viewers is a very interesting thing because. um
1: I will. Can I time in for a quarter of a second just to tell the yeah, really quickest story? Absolutely. Again, I try best not to flame that much, but it happens, right? Like it's in Dota or in, in sports, right? Like, yesterday I wanted to tweet the meanest things I've ever wanted to tweet watching the Angels-Yankees game. But, like, I held back just barely because nobody on my feed cares about it other than, like, you and one person. But (laughs) in my, like, darkest moment of, like, just flaming in a pub where I was just so mad at somebody, which is hard to do. Like, I'm not a very mad person. It's pretty rare that that happens. Um, My flame, literally, I remember it to this day. In one sentence, I said, I've made thousands of hours of Dota content And even I could not make you better at this game than you are, (laughs) right? And that person, I'm sure, will never listen to my podcast. They they will never seek out my thousands of hours of content. But I was just like, man, I've poured my, like, thousands of hours into making and editing and posting and talking about this game. And you are so incredibly dumb that, like, (laughs) none of that will even remotely begin to service the problems you have. And, uh, yeah, so... I that again. That's why I play my, with my game on full mute. So I don't even the, have the opportunities to that's, flame anymore. But that, I mean, that's a, that's a good way
0: to be. I, I feel like that if if you're one of those people that is inclined to get upset in games, if you just mute all communication, oh, it's, it's so, unbind so, your mic button so you can't talk. Unbind or mute everybody else's. Yeah. You have like it's like a strangely peaceful experience because oh, it's wonderful. You can just be in your room yelling at your computer. And nobody will ever know except for maybe your neighbors. Yeah. But, like, yeah. And, and, and probably at some point you'll get to a point where, like, you are realizing that you are just being really angry at nobody because nobody's yeah. listening to you. And, and exactly. it kind of like calms you down. And it's, it's sort of like a yeah. weird
1: hack to stop tilting in games. Like, <laughs> life hack. yeah <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. What's, well, I tell people this all the time. Like, nothing has ever useful, nothing useful has ever been said by the enemy team. Like, I literally like i've played set i played eight thousand hours of dota not a single time has an enemy player told me anything that is remotely impactful on my game other than something that will make me annoyed or maybe make me laugh sometime but usually make me annoyed right True. so why would i have that turned on right like why on earth do i let these people communicate with me all it does is bother you so mute it it that's one of my pet peeves is when people don't mute i'm like dude we're trying to play the game. You're getting distracted because this person has made you mad. Stop being a child and arguing. Play the game. Come on. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I totally derailed your thing because I wanted to tell that silly story about me being mean to somebody on the internet. But no, <laughs>
0: that's okay. Um, I I think that uh, another topic, and we, we can circle back to the the community thing in a second. But one of the other <laughs> things that I wanted to touch on, and and I want to get this in the podcast before we go too long, as we're approaching mm-hmm. an hour here. Um is that there are a lot of life lessons that you can learn through video games. Oh, yeah. And like the amount of growth that you can experience through games, because obviously, um, I mean, I'm 32. I don't know how old you are, but if you I'm were in 20, co- I just turned 27. So OK, so you, you still grew up in the age. And I feel like probably maybe people that are like 10 won't have this experience. And they probably still will have the experience of their parents being like, you're wasting your time. Right. Yeah. Video and games are, are a waste of time. Get off the computer, get off your console or whatever. Stop mm-hmm. playing Game Boy in the back of the car and watch the scenery as we drive across Kansas yeah. or whatever. Oh great. <laughs> <laughs> but the amount of things that I've learned over the last five years of playing video games essentially full time. And I always like to kind of throw that out there's like, hey, technically I'm a professional Dota player because yeah, I supported myself act- through act Dota. <laughs> for for three years yeah. or whatever. But those types of things where you know learning how to handle tough situations learning how to communicate with people from a wide variety of backgrounds learning how to um even just like persevere or set goals or come up with solutions for um beating goals or solving problems oh, stuff yeah. like that there's a huge variety of things that you can learn through just playing games and you know Oh yeah, from the education space, I'm sure that gamification is like a huge thing that is is kind of pushed at this point, and especially within teaching younger kids. So.
1: Oh yeah, I yeah, the, I will say like one of the biggest ones is language skills, right? Like you mentioned communication, which communication on a variety of levels is true, but for people that are not English first language, like one of the guys I play with the most is. Uh, a2k who is one of the hosts of we like dota and he is german and his english is impeccable right Mm -hmm. and his english would probably be pretty good anyway but his english is impeccable in large part because his hobby is talking to people in english to play video games Mm -hmm. right and to make a podcast also on top of that right um and that is a like uh what's the word i'm looking for that is such a hard to quantify value to just being a person Right. Or like I know a bunch of Russian words. Not that I know that much, but I know some Russian words that I learned just because I play Dota. Right. I literally actually being a middle school teacher, I got a bunch of kids in trouble because they were cursing in Russian. And I was (laughs) like, hey, Johnny, you can't curse in Russian. And he's like, Mr. H, why do you know this? And I was like, because (laughs) I am old and I know a lot of things. Stop cursing in Russian. And so then the kids were like, I I can't say Sukhobliet anymore. I was like, no, you can't. Because my Russian—I mean, I lied to them. I told them that my Russian friend that I went camping with taught me them, which sure. is kind. You of can't funny. admit that you're a nerd, no way. Yeah, so you know. I was teacher. like, Just,
0: maybe you were in the yeah. Russian mafia or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, and then I had to tell other teachers, I was like, these kids in the seventh grade are cursing in Russian. If you hear them say tell them to stop cursing, right? Because <laughs> they were getting away with it for like months, potentially maybe sure. years. This was in my first year of teaching, um, and they like because nobody knew right and right. so that's like a silly story but there's like so many small things you pick up whether it's like you know learning a new phrase a new language or meeting a lifelong friend right totally. like proud is one of my closest friends and like i know him just because we played dota together like once eight years ago we friended each other and then we ended up doing a podcast for like six years together seven years together whatever right, right? yeah so i definitely it learned to type because incredible. of
0: starcraft like hundred oh, yeah. percent. because i mean that game I was never a good StarCraft player, but that game, you have to be just like constantly multitasking. Oh, yeah. But then also you need to be able to type to teammates because there was no voice chat back in the day or anything like that. Yeah. And so you have to still like somehow find out how to be able to type to people while you're also playing the game, which may oh. be a pretty
1: fast typer, even though my technique yeah. is probably awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, whatever gets the job done, right? Exactly. But yeah, so you can learn so many things. And being a teacher, I will say. Video games introduce certain other difficulties into education that I could complain about, but I won't for the sake of time. Um, But in general, kids learn an incredible amount, right? And so even there are some parents today that are kind of anti-video games, but that's a minority, I would say. Mm -hmm. And also, I think there is a rational amount of being against video games um, because, like, one of the kids in my credit recovery program who is, by definition, failing his classes... He's like, oh, yeah, I'm like a pro-level Overwatch player. Like, he plays in tournaments. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, great. But, like, you need to pass English, right? Like, <laughs> that is not, you know, you're, you, maybe you'll make your life savings off that. But also, if you don't have a high school diploma and that doesn't work out, you're totally up a river, right? Mm-hmm. And so I will say there are certain detractions. We're like, oh, I'm going to be a streamer. It's like, okay, Maybe. But if you're not a streamer, we need to have a backup plan, right? Yeah. um, Let's get into that, actually, because that is something that
0: I am very interested in. As somebody Mm -hmm. who is kind of risk averse, but also will take risks with a plan in place. Mm -hmm. Um, So like at some point you said that you never really wanted to be a pro content creator. Like you you thought about a little bit. You saw what was involved. Didn't really... Um, kind of float your boat, I guess. And, and part of that yeah. was because of stability. And that's definitely something that I think maybe goes overlooked a little bit because, I mean, you've put out eight years of content while also doing something full time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's entirely possible to create something that you really love doing around a hobby or around some activity that you're super into while also supporting yourself and living a completely normal irl life right oh yeah um so that kind of balance is is really cool and i think if if somebody who's listening to this is interested in becoming a content creator that is the way to do it because all those like problems of getting um you know locked into putting out content because it's the only way you're paying your bills and that kind of stuff it's it makes everything so much harder and so much more pressure filled if you only have one way and you know, there's the whole like Hollywood narrative, sell everything, move to LA, become an actor <laughs> because there's yeah. no other option for you. Yeah, But there is like you, you can work a part-time job and then stream on the side. And then like, once you start getting a few subs, like maybe you don't have to work quite as much, but you can kind of gradually make the transition into what you actually want to do without having to put yourself in a situation where it's literally like you're homeless or you're successful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is like some people have that gamblers mentality where they can do that. And they're just like, you know what? This is my thing. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to be a Twitch streamer. And some maybe that works out. Let's charitably say 10% of the time. It's more like 0.1% of the time. But (laughs) let's charitably say 10% of the time. Well, like the other 90% need to have a backup plan. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, you and I both are, are varying degrees of risk averse people. And I don't have that gambler's mentality, right? I came into this if suddenly, like, it had worked out that I became a pro podcaster for some bizarre reason that, like, maybe let's say Dota just became the biggest esport by, like, a huge margin, and suddenly I have, you know, enough Patreons to, you know, fund, pay my rent and pay my health insurance and whatever. But I think a good perspective to have for anybody that is either a content creator already or anybody that is thinking about it or going into it is... It's something that is fun to do. It builds skills that are applicable outside, right? Like when I was a teacher and I had to do distance learning, I was really good at it because I was like, oh, I oh, make yeah. things for a living or, or not a living, but I make things on the internet for a hobby. Right. So I was training other teachers and like, all right, this is how you use OBS. So I'm sure <laughs> I think, I think the school district I work in is the only district where the middle school is using OBS to record their uh, asynchronous lessons. But um, <laughs> Everybody else everywhere else like Google
0: Meets like, or something. Some... Yeah. Yeah, Janky, uh, Skype probably half the yeah. people are still using that program. Yeah.
1: Meanwhile, I was like setting up OBS profiles for like sixty-year-old, you know, like biology teachers. But yeah, cool. um, the so it builds skills. Like it's literally on my resume. I'm right? like, I not that I am like you know the most accomplished person on earth, but my teaching resume is very full, right? Like I've had a lot of different positions, stuff like that. I've held a lot of different uh, positions in different levels and stuff like that. But I still keep the podcast on my resume because it's a differentiation in skill set, right? Mm. A lot of people have been, you know, assistant director of a camp before. Not a lot of people that are applying for a so-and-so teaching job have made content for thousands of people and, like, organized live events and, you know, done professional audio editing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, and so I will say for anybody thinking about it is, A, just do it, which is the advice everybody gives, and it's lazy advice, but it's true um just make stuff right and maybe it's it noticed maybe it doesn't right like i think it took a year for dot p originally to hit a hundred average listeners per episode wow. but then after that you know you had a lot of growth and stuff like that but you had to keep kicking at the kicking at it that's not a phrase you have to keep <laughs> going at it for a year until you hit that point and then eventually at that point and everything's pg keen but that's why a lot of people stop after four months because at four months they have 20 people and they're like oh well i expected thousands of people would be listening to me it's like no that also gets into like people don't really realize the reality of what listenership is like mm-hmm. something like i mean you've list- you i'm sure have thought of uh looked into this before Donnie, but the statistics are nuts when you look at the i think if you're getting more than 130 listens per episode you're you're already in the 90th percentile of podcast it's something like that it might actually be like 95th percentile right the average person does not realize that because right. uh, they think oh everything is huge and also because it's very as a medium it is incredibly opaque right like nobody knows how much how many listens most podcasts get yeah um, now that i think about it like yeah. spotify they
0: don't list how many definitely like no. that that's why youtube is kind of interesting in that regard where like it'll have a view count but yeah Even a, lot that's of times, a little
1: misleading though
0: Right. And a lot of times like you'll have a YouTube view count that's very low on a podcast, but the
1: actual podcast, just the audio is massive.
0: And we get comments
1: like that sometimes. Not that our podcast is massive, but our podcast is definitely bigger than our YouTube videos that have like 22 views. Mm -hmm. But the way that we post things, they get posted to YouTube and to Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So occasionally I'll get a YouTube comment that I'll read and it's like, man, I wish you guys were more popular. I'm like, yeah, we are like, don't worry about us. Like (laughs) because our like nobody listens to podcasts on YouTube at least for our listenership mm. um partially because we don't do a video component we have in the past it's a lot of hassle more power like you're obviously doing it i i don't do it also cuz my computer sucks and like i would it would explode if i tried to uh to edit the video but um <laughs> but yeah cuz our YouTube kind of got, like 16 views it's like well actually like the podcast got like a few thousand people listening to it mm-hmm. you just are one of the 16 who watched it on YouTube right. um And so I just, I get such a kick out of those uh, those comments because it's so just like, oh, actually like this person has no conceptual understanding of how this works. Um, Although some podcasts are exclusively to YouTube or some are exclusively to Twitch, which if you're, maybe this is a piece of advice for a potential content creator. If you're making a podcast, don't do it on Twitch. That's dumb. It like might sound like a good plan for you and your buddies. It's not. It's really, really self-defeating. I could go into more detail, but I won't like... Don't do podcasts on Twitch. It may be a nice secondary thing, but I would say it's actively negative to do a podcast on Twitch for a variety of reasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we want to go a little bit more technical on that, like Twitch deletes your VODs. Mm -hmm. There's basically nothing you can do about it. You you can kind of set them as like
1: highlights or whatever. I don't know. I don't really use Twitch anymore. Yeah, Um, and you can record them from like you could be recording OBS simultaneously and streaming at the same time.
0: Or you can just stream directly to YouTube where it stays forever. Yeah. Or and you even can just then, record normally
1: and then edit and then upload like there's there's a yeah. lot of different options. There's options. And also, like if you are doing a podcast, most of your listenership is not going to be live. So if you're interacting with the live audience, that's making the podcast worse for the majority of people. True. That's a big one that people don't think about, I think, because they're used to Twitch culture and whatever. But yeah, that's a really quick piece of very key advice, I think, uh, for the potential podcast listener just because right. it's easy doesn't mean it's good right yeah yeah oh my god all right and twitch viewers don't cross over either also because they, they really don't demographically they're different demographically people that watch streams are younger people and people that was in a podcast are older people that are professionals because they listen to them at work or on a commute right twitch viewers tend to skew younger or unemployed or True. you know whatever um that's not obviously that's just demographics not everybody um but it's because they have more time to watch people. Whereas people that are busier have time to listen. Right. Yeah. So that's like boring demography stuff. Um, <laughs> but
0: yeah, also, every little
1: piece of information counts when you're starting on a journey of content creation.
0: There, there is like, I would say the 90% of big streamers, um, their only YouTube content tends to just be like stream clips highlights. Yeah. Which in my opinion, I, 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 don't understand why people watch that, but I guess because yeah. the audiences are so different most of the time. I mean, I watch stuff on Twitch, I also watch stuff on YouTube, but like you're saying, probably the majority of people mostly watch on one platform, other, mm-hmm. and so I guess that makes a little bit more sense why stream highlights would do okay on YouTube, uh, just because it's not really like. Yeah. Who, who's going to sit there and watch every single one of, like, I don't know, XQC's streams? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's yeah, some true. people, but very few people are going to be there. Oh, every day, got to tune into XQC. Yep. It's like, no, nah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to see
1: what ridiculous thing he did today in two yeah. minutes on YouTube. It's true. I think part of it is that as a content person, it's easy content to make, right? Like, if you're XQC and you're making, let's say, a million dollars a year, he makes a lot more than that. Let's yeah. just say he makes a million dollars a year. If he can pay somebody 50 grand to be his video editor. He doesn't have to make any new content for that person. That person's job is just to skim highlights and compile them and then put them up on YouTube. And then maybe he makes back his 50 K or maybe he makes even more than that. I mean, it's a business, right? So I'm sure something like that also has like a business manager because like You'd you know, be surprised. There's a, a, there's a lot of streamers who do
0: not, but yeah, well, that's true. You could, you could like... very, very quickly like triple or quadruple your revenue. If you just did stuff like that, where yeah. if you're a streamer and, and another thing to, to think about is the, the streamers that are able to do this for the most part in terms of just like clipping their stuff and putting it on YouTube. Cause, cause I see, you know, I I'm, I'm kind of a YouTube nerd. And so I will go through and like sort by, uploaded in the last 24 hours uploaded in the last 60 minutes like because i want to see what is performing well now for a specific topic especially if i'm thinking of covering it as well yeah and so i do kind of a lot of research in that regard and you'll see you know uh x360 noscope junior x whatever (laughs) uploading their twitch clips and on twitch they have one viewer and on youtube they have no views because like it doesn't really work, right? You have to have some sort of audience that would potentially be searching for you through Google or YouTube to actually find those clips. And so, uh, I don't know really where we're going with this. Like this is how to be a content creator advice segment that we're doing right now. But if you want to be a content creator, do not just clip your two viewer streams and put them on YouTube. That is a waste of your time. But if you are a large content creator, who makes most of their money through streaming do pay somebody to clip and upload because that is a way to basically like double your reach instantly. Basically.
1: Yeah. There are again, you know, nobody's listening to us. That is a huge Twitch streamer, I think, (laughs) but there are, I would say the kind of point of this conversation is there are a lot of common pitfalls that you're outlining and I'm outlining that I think people that have not, done content before fall into mm. and so i always give these kind of anecdotes because i don't want people to fall into them again because it's a waste of your time it really is and a big thing with content is if you're doing it as a passion project and you also have a full-time job or maybe you're a full-time student or maybe you just do other things you don't want to waste your time right like you want to kind of not that there's any fast track you know cheat key, but you want to do things with intention And you want the things you're doing to be useful, right? So if you're making something, you want it to get to as many potential people as possible. Even if not that many people go for it now, you want it to be findable later, right? If your Twitch clip is just named, you know, crazy sniper headshot, nobody's going to find it, right? If your YouTube (laughs) clip is named, you know, uh, coaching guardian level necrophose 7.29b, that's findable. Because somebody is going to look up how to play Necrophos, and maybe they're going to look up Necrophos 7.29b. And then they're going to find that clip because you have good SEO, right? You are, and not even clip. Clips are also not for YouTube. Like, clips are for Twitter, right? Like, YouTube, you put a compilation of clips. clips. Um,
0: I mean, fun, yeah, you, fun yeah. fact about that. What, what you mentioned is kind of interesting because at first, when you're like, sick, crazy headshot, I was like, actually, that's kind of a banger title for a video because <laughs> the YouTube meta has really evolved recently where it's like, You'll see people literally just putting like, I, I forget who it was. It might have been like Logan Paul or something like that. Their their uh-huh. title of their video was literally
1: just a period. And it had yeah. like 25 well, million views. But it also gets into algorithm stuff, I think. Right, where exactly. it's like, oh, this channel already is popular. I think if you're yeah. an unpopular channel, though, you're never going to get that kind of. Uh, you're not going to get like the push from exactly. The but yeah, there's all kind of weird metagaming too that. Yeah
0: yeah i mean to your point about the more specific titles i mean i, I don't want to like discount anything else that jenkins and i did for dota alchemy but essentially we built the channel off of looking at the, the patch notes streams and videos mm-hmm. that purge would do right his mm-hmm. Pur, purge is a, a dota personality if, if you're not from dota listening to this but one of the kind of like the
1: ogs of dota content creation yeah, the cornerstone kind of the guy that everybody knows nobody exactly. english speaking doesn't know purge
0: right and he's famous for doing these 5 hour 7 hour 12 hour long po- uh, patch note streams where if there's a ton of changes of the game he goes through every little thing tests everything out theory crafts every little thing about it mm-hmm. and i saw this and i was and there was nobody else really doing patch note videos at the time and i was like wait he's doing 12 hours of patch notes and he's uploading it a day and a half later because it literally takes a day to upload a 12 hour video to YouTube. Yeah. What if I did 15 minutes of patch notes and uploaded it literally 20 minutes after the patch came out? Yep. And sure enough, boom, instant views. Cause you just put patch notes for the exact patch. And what's the first thing people are going to do. They go to YouTube, they type in patch notes, patch note analysis for this patch. And that content is not going to be relevant six months from now. So you're not going to get recurring views. But if you are oh, yeah. trying to build a channel, there is nothing better than finding stuff that is happening right now that people will be looking for and just putting it out on YouTube oh, yeah. with a very simple title that is exactly what they're
1: looking for. Yeah, type into the search. That is a huge... I mean, timing is kind of everything, which again is another cliche of kind of content and stuff like that. But our... One of our top three podcasts of all time got like 180,000 downloads, which is not even remotely close to what we would normally get, even on a popular show. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was our 7.0 patch notes review, which was seven hours long. But the big thing about it was we were the first podcast format episode of the thing. So if you looked up Dota podcast 7.0, or even if you just looked up Dota 7.0 patch review, we just, I guess, had good SEO or whatever, mm-hmm. um, which is search engine optimization, if nobody's, if you're not familiar with that word. Um, but that was a huge deal for us, and that also got on Reddit, which I could complain about the R Dota 2 mods uh, a bit, because they have. Uh, there are certain rules about, like, you can't self-promote right. uh, podcasts and content in general on R Dota 2, and yet some people are allowed to do it all the time, but, you know... Uh, I'll digress from my head is a very complaint. interesting thing.
0: Cause I've, I've used oh, Reddit great. pretty heavily to build my Valorant audience, mm-hmm. but it's one of those very kind of like, there's a lot of, and, and this will be our, our final segue into baseball, which is kind of where I want to like end okay. okay. the podcast, Good. but there's a lot of unwritten rules in yes. Reddit and in baseball. And, 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 and on Reddit, they will have a sidebar of rules, but there's a lot of just like it's supposed to be kind of like an aggregation of just general news and random stuff about a topic. And if you're trying to use it as an advertising service, which I see a lot of people go in there and, and like big organizations, pro teams, you know, tournament organizers, they go on and they're like, hey, come watch our thing gets mm-hmm. no upvotes, gets no comments, nobody cares. Even if you have a million yeah. followers on Twitter, nobody cares. Because Reddit uh it, it caters to a very specific audience, which is people who are just trying to consume like bite-sized little discussions. Mm-hmm. Um so for Dota, we took our video scripts and we put them in text format. Oh. Put them on Reddit with a link to the video if you guys want to If you guys don't want to read, here's the video. So we did that for for Dota Alchemy for a bit. And then on Valorant, I went even a step further where I would just put the entire YouTube video without a plug to subscribe because that, again, is self-promotion and you will get banned (laughs) very
1: quickly if you do that. The tiny little things that suddenly change everything. It's like, oh, you put these four words in. You can't do that. Exactly.
0: So I would put the entire video on Reddit. And then just rely on people to be like, hey, I hate the Reddit video player. Do you have a YouTube channel? And then I <laughs> oh would respond boy. to the comment with, there's my YouTube oh. channel. Galaxy brain stuff, my friend. And All I right, got like that... several thousand subscribers from that because I, wow. I would get, I put up videos that would get 6,000, 8,000 upvotes on Reddit, and be the first post on our Valorant for two days. And there would be at least six people that would ask me, a youtube channel and so then that comment wow. we uploaded as well and then i tried to push the boundaries a little bit once where i in my video i was like and if you like this type of content make sure you check out these other videos and and mm-hmm. i had little thumbnails of oh. of my channel and i got instantly banned
1: oh yeah well <laughs> it's like you know it's a little stuff i you know, I just, there's, like you said, in baseball, also, we have big problems. I would say it's not necessarily a problem, but there's a lot of subjectivity in baseball because you mm-hmm. umpires, right? And, you know, sometimes they call an upper strike, and other times they call it a ball, right? And sometimes you lose an inning because of that, and other times you win an inning because of that, or an entire game for that matter. And um, I'll say, like, kind of to close that before we do baseball chat, when it comes to content creation, you kind of have to either, like you were explaining, find ways around that, or you have to just kind of understand that sometimes things are going to feel unfair. Like, Mm. you're going to make a really good video that you spent hours on, and then nobody's going to watch it, or like 10 people are going to watch it, right? And maybe they send it to 10 friends. Maybe those 10 people are 10 subscribers, and that's actually valuable, um, if we could kind of whatever. But um, sometimes it's unfair, right? So, like, on Reddit, again, it's a little frustrating because that is the biggest English dota 2 audience is our dota 2 and we tried like a dozen different ways of posting content of like we've had honest like just listeners post content like oh yeah this fourth spirit show it's pretty good and then they'll get banned or they are, their thing <laughs> will get taken down and we, meanwhile that's like in the rules i'm pretty right. sure like that's fine yeah. But people are like, oh, you know, it could have been a sock puck puppet account from that criminal or synity who's trying to promote himself. It's like, no, I'm so bad at self-promotion, it's unreal. Like, I could not possibly. Um, meanwhile, again, the unfair thing is if you make a podcast but have an interview, suddenly you can self-promote all you want. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's not fair, is it? It's like, great, you had like, you know, you had Seb on your show and you talked to him. That's still <laughs> self-promotion. Like, you know, True. why is that person allowed to do that? And I have, again, it's like silly things. Like, I don't care that much. It's (laughs) not my job, but it does feel bad. And so I think that's something important for, like, ambitious people or content creators is like, yeah, things are gonna be disappointing and things are gonna be unfair. That's just how things work, right? Like, sometimes you get turned away from a job that you're perfectly qualified for because they hired somebody internally. Right. right. Or sometimes you do something within the rules and somebody tells you it's not. Or sometimes you throw a strike and then Angel Hernandez calls it a ball. And you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm screwed now. Right. <laughs> um, so
0: Angel Hernandez, yeah. don't even get me started on yeah. that. The ultimate
1: fire. the ultimate meme in baseball is uh everybody's favorite, terrible pitcher, pitcher, Angel Hernandez. I was very angry. I don't even know his name, but um I'm, a, I'm an Angels fan, specifically like. I guess we'll do our brief baseball talk now. I was always a very casual baseball fan. I worked at a sports memorabilia shop for a very long time. And only in the last, only in this baseball season have I become like a voracious consumer of baseball content due largely to uh, Shohei Otani, who is, uh, I will say with great confidence, he's going to be the MVP for his league. um, And he is like a God amongst men, but, some yeah, people so, are Vladimir Guerrero Jr. fans, but whatever. Um, so
0: real, real quick about Shohei Otani, because I, I know that probably if anybody is still listening to this podcast, probably don't know anything about baseball and you probably don't care. OK, yeah. But let's... <laughs> but in baseball, there's nine positions that are on, on yes. the field. OK, and Shohei Otani is a Japanese player. So Japan is, is kind of like the only other place outside of the United States and, and South America and like Latin America that mm-hmm. cares about baseball. Like there, there are small yeah. leagues in Europe and stuff that in Korea. No, nobody really cares about baseball except for Japan. And, and like you said, Korea, but, um, there has been kind of an influx of Japanese players to the major leagues in North America, which has been a big thing. There's been some extremely good players have been some very good players in Japan who came over and were awful in America. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of just been this thing where like, Every now and then the big leagues will go pick the best player from Japan and bring them over. Um, and so this happened to a guy named Shohei Otani, who is not a quintessential Japanese person or player. He, he's got a very, yeah. he's a lot more flamboyant than a lot of Japanese people. Uh, just if we're being general. Um, and, he's and he's also, showy. he's huge. I mean, no pun intended. He's very yeah, tall. He's- and he's like 6'4", 250, I he's think, right jacked. now. He's kind of jacked. Yeah, he's like very tall and jacked. He, he does not Almost look like... swole, tawny. Exactly. And not only that, but he plays pitcher, which is a position in baseball that generally plays once a week, maybe twice a week, um, because you have to throw a lot of pitches, your arm gets sore, mm-hmm. et cetera. Like there's, there's health reasons for why you don't yeah. pitch very often. Um, but then everybody besides the pitcher generally plays every game, and Otani also plays another position so that he can play every game mm-hmm. in addition to pitching. And this is not something that has really happened since like the early ninety nineteen yeah. nineties or twenties. Nineteen twenties
1: nineteen tens nineteen twenties yeah. So Babe Ruth, I think, even if you're not a baseball fan, everybody has heard I of. I mean, Babe most Ruth. people know Babe Ruth. Shohei otani is so historic and novel that the only comparison for him is babe ruth and his numbers are competitive with babe ruth and better in a lot of areas right um, and, and ba-
0: babe ruth was one of the best hitters ever and also a very good pitcher which mm-hmm. is yeah. extremely surprising because generally yeah. speaking in baseball if you are a pitcher you don't hit it's like it's widely yeah. regarded as like if you're a pitcher. You can literally get out every time that you come to the plate, and that's
1: acceptable. Yeah, and there are pitchers who will never hit. Like, right. there are pitchers that just don't do it. There are specific rules that allow for other people to hit for the pitcher because the thing about pitching is it's so time-consuming to be good at it, and it's so difficult to be good at it that it is not feasible for the average player, even a elite-level you know, professional athlete, to do both things, right? And even right. mediocre hitters um are like lauded if they are a mediocre hitter and also happen to be a pitcher like jacob Degrom is arguably the best pitcher right now he's a pretty d- decent hitter and that people treat him like he's a god because he's a decent hitter because it's so un- uh, unexpected
0: right and, and um, so let's go to like a dodo equivalent right just to further this point and then we can get deeper into the baseball strategy yesterday stats. so if if you were to translate this to dota or a moba it would be like if you were a carry player and a support player at the same time
1: and you were like and you were the best at both in the world (laughs) i would say i would extend it maybe even a little farther and say it'd be like if the if a top 10 dota player was also a top 10 league player like that's Uh, how yeah novel it is and how different it is because pitching is so incredibly fundamentally different than hitting right and vice versa right. right being an ace level hitter is such an incredibly difficult skill to hone right a lot of people would say the hardest thing in sports is to hit a 99 mile per hour fastball um yeah i've batted against why, 92 like, 93 and it is oh, very hard it is yeah. very hard and that's <laughs> and that's why it is um like and that's why people are excited to hit 300 that means you're striking out seven out of or you're getting out seven out of ten times right. if you're a good hitter you're hitting around 300 right? Like a very good hitter. Um, so Otani for context here is a good pitcher. Um, I mean, he's a very good pitcher. He had a bad day last night, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, he got screwed on a couple of strike calls in my humble opinion, but <laughs> he's a like arguably top 10 starting pitcher, which is also a different, slightly different kind we of won't pitcher get We get into really, the different types yeah. of pitchers. It's too um, complicated, but he is a top 10 pitcher. And he also, he is leading the league in home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's leading the league in extra base hits, which is like basically better hits. And I believe he's leading the league, or at least he's top three in uh, bat velocity or velocity off Exit the velocity. bat. yeah. Yeah, meaning like how hard you hit the ball. And it is truly a historic player that has no comparison. Um, and like they have to change rules and strategies just to like make it work, right? That's how right. unexpected and weird it is. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. a big thing. For me to get back into baseball was like I was a casual fan. I joined a work fantasy league. I was doing research and I was like, "Oh boy, the Shohei Ohtani guy!" Like, "Oh, this is kind of cool," mm-hmm. and um, and then I just kind of watched rad- random games. I think baseball is an excellent like, I like I, I enjoy it to watch actively, but also it's a really good background noise. So when I'm like I've been really busy the last year, it's a good sport. It's a good hobby to be casually into. Okay. But um, yeah, it's just kind of consumed my free time. Would you say that some of that interest is is due to like the.
0: On the surface, it's a fairly simple concept, right? It's like throw the Mm -hmm. ball, hit the ball, catch the ball. Yeah, basically. But the amount of like deep strategy and statistics work that goes Mm -hmm. into the game is almost like a parallel with Dota, right? Like um, absolutely. Dota, absolutely. Three lanes, kill their base. The end. But yeah, in theory, (laughs) but lots of different positions. And yet (laughs) and eight unbelievable amount of data that you can comb through and like pick apart to give yourself an advantage. And I I got really into fantasy baseball a while back when like DraftKings and FanDuel was kind of mm-hmm. exploding. Popping. Um and as somebody who you know played baseball for 15 years or whatever, I don't know. Um I've never been a huge fan of watching it unless there is that statistical part in the background where it's like, oh mm-hmm. I, I'm very into like the points as they accumulate based off of getting a double or getting a, a single where, like you said, it's very difficult to even hit the ball period. So, and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then you can kind of like create an interesting lineup based around, uh, just trying to find little value plays. And, and that's what we do in, in, in Dota and esports too, is, is like you're looking for every little tiny edge just to kind of like not only, give yourself a competitive advantage, but also just be creative, right? Like that's a huge part about it is like being creative through data analytics and like
1: uh, analyzing complex situations. Yeah, I mean, it's an excellent comparison, right? I think a good, like a lot of different hobbies and things, it's a novel kind of experience to be able to have five different people look at the same data set and reach five different conclusions that are not necessarily wrong at all. Like Mm. all five could be right and just have a different perspective. And, um, baseball definitely has that going forward. Personally, as a history guy, I think baseball is like such a incredibly historic game, right? There's a reason why in 2021, Shoy Otani is being compared to a guy from 1919. Right. Right? And I think a lot of other sports either don't have that history or don't maybe reference that history and stuff like that um, because they're not as quantifiable as baseball. Right. Baseball is a inherently due to the rules and the way the game is played. It's very quantifiable. Mm -hmm. Right. That's why we have all these statistics, because it is a game where one of the kind of things that I really like about it is it's a game where the focus is always on one person at one time. Right. And that person might switch Mm -hmm. like rapidly within a tenth of a second. But, you know, if a pitch is thrown, the focus is on the pitcher, then the pitch is in the air, the focus on the batter, right? The ball is hit, then the focus on the outfield and then the outfield throws the ball and then the focus is on the runner, right? That kind of stuff is captivating, right? And I think it is quantifiable in ways that sports where everybody's doing things all the time are maybe not as quantifiable or like people like, oh, it's the X factor. Like, oh, that guy comes in clutch in baseball. We kind of pull that away. We're like, actually, no. There no such thing as the X Factor. That person is just really good at RASP. Like, he's really good at runners in scoring position and a save, you know, whatever. And um, I'm not necessarily a math guy, but I have a great appreciation for the stats inside of that. Um, But there's just a lot going for it, I will say. And I think right now, baseball is in a really captivating position right baseball viewership has been going up steadily in like the last 10 years or so there's a huge crop of truly incredible young players and like the san diego padres are one of the most exciting teams to watch right now and their average age is like 25 right they have a bunch of stars that are like 24 23 and that's like fun to watch it's really engaging right they are undoing a lot of like you mentioned earlier unwritten rules that Young people maybe don't appreciate as much, right? Like There are all these rules of sportsmanship that young people are like, "Well, actually, no, I don't care about that, right? And that's exciting because then you have contrast of like, oh, this old guy is really mad, and this young guy is, you know, kind of upturning the game and you know, right. it's just there's a very specific kind of excitement that I think baseball has. And it's a long season. So if you're the kind of person again, thinking about eSports, that there's a lot of meta game to esports and like dota and probably valorant and all that um because a baseball season is 162 games long there's a huge metagame of like injuries right like all right we're gonna assume that somebody's gonna get injured right because it's gonna happen because it's in it's an insane thing to do to compete at a professional level for 162 games over the course of a season right which is like like, what eight months yeah it's like oh yeah you're going to do an elite level athleticism every day with like one day off every once in a while that's unhinged truly and so i love those kind of like meta level oh this guy's really good against this specific player or in this ballpark mm-hmm. right? like every every yeah, this would be my last thing and then we can cut this I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want to ramble too much i also don't get to talk about baseball that much because a lot of my like friends are like dota players that are maybe not necessarily baseball people um <laughs> I exist a lot on the baseball subreddit. I post there a bit more than the Dota one. I'll put it that way. Um, But like, it's fascinating to me that baseball stadiums are all different. Like that's that's an insane thing, right? Like, yeah, every football stadium is exactly
0: 100 yards long and exactly whatever amount wide. But every baseball stadium has different dimensions, it, Yeah, left field fence might be 30 feet closer in one
1: or farther away. (laughs) Yeah. Or like in Tropicana Field, it's like, yeah, the roof is white, so you can't couch outfield balls as easily. Like, what a crazy concept to have. I think maybe my my final comment on baseball that I think is just so novel is I love that it's a sport where professional commentators whose job that they're paid a lot of money to do to talk about baseball Well, they're casting a game – They talk about the fans because fans make plays. Like what other sport has fans (laughs) make plays in the stands where it's like, oh, yeah, like Shohei Otani rips a foul ball to left field. And then you have like, you know, what's his name? Mark Gooby something. But he just call him Gooby. You'll have Gooby. He's one of the angels announcers. Uh, Like talking like, oh, man, the fan makes an amazing diving catch. Like what a crazy thing that like some schmuck like me just (laughs) happens to be in foul territory and makes a cool catch. And then you have like you're on national television. Right. What other sport has like fan engagement of like, oh yeah, if you're not paying attention, you might die. Like that's crazy. <laughs> this, that's, that's awesome. That's is, so much fun. Right? I mean, or and you make yeah.
0: baseball sound so much
1: more like interesting than it actually yeah, is. It is. Again, I will just say like I think <laughs> like I'm somebody that was a casual fan, and I've only really come to appreciate it over the course of this season. And that's why I kind of am such an ev- evangel evangelical person for it right now, because I do think like it's something that has made my life like better. Like I really, truly like it makes my day better, right? It gives me something to do. It also like if you're like a nerdy eSports person, you might not always have something to talk about with your like bro coworkers, not to stereotype. but <laughs> like I have friends at work that are good friends now that I would not be friends with if I had not, like, joined a silly fantasy baseball league that I'm getting destroyed in, by the way. Um, But, like, also because I wasn't into baseball when I drafted my team and now I am, and, you know, I'm dealing with the consequences, but uh, you know, $100, oh well. Um, But so, that's why I just think people should give it a try. I think there's a lot of stereotypes about baseball, like, oh, it's slow, oh, it's boring. And that may have been true in the past of certain baseball metagames of, like, contact plays or Mm -hmm. whatever, but it's something I think more people should give a chance. And there's a lot of crossover that I think people don't fully realize. Yeah, so that is the end of my... Uh, baseball spiel. <laughs> yeah, I just want people to give it a try. It's fun, all right? Like, watch the Angels game from last night, all right? If you want to watch... Well, actually, there was two rain delays, so maybe don't spend five hours watching that. But <laughs> it's awesome. It's cool. Watch some, Just Google Shohei Otani highlights or like HaSung Kim defensive highlights. That's one of my favorite videos is just a compilation of a HaSung Kim who's a third baseman for the Padres making mm. incredible defensive plays as a rookie, like it's yeah, or just like so
0: outfield, cool. the best outfield defensive yeah. plays like that.
1: Those oh, are definitely so... something
0: that will, they're a good entry point into baseball because it is a little bit of an opaque sport to try and get into initially, I yeah. think because there a are a lot of random rules. rules. It's like unwritten rules. Yeah. Yeah. A and lot of
1: teams. Also, there's 30
0: teams. That's crazy. <laughs> there are. I mean, but that's also kind of an interesting thing that I kind of wanted to maybe pull things Back full circle to esports because there's Mm -hmm. been a bit of experimentation in esports with um, kind of like franchising or like city based teams, like we saw in Overwatch and and Call of Duty and stuff like that. But beyond that, I just feel like there's so much that can still be pulled from the traditional sports sphere to esports to make it better because right now it kind of feels like esports is in a place where. It's this burgeoning industry. There's a lot of people pumping money into it. There's a lot of people trying to take advantage of it, and not necessarily in a predatory way, although that does exist. Yeah. But there's a there's kind of like this. Oh, we're esports. We're we're like the cool we're new different. thing. We don't want to do it like traditional sports, right? Yeah. And yet, as people do introduce concepts from traditional sports, esports gets better. Like sports psychologists, support staff for teams. I think yeah, college that, league. Yeah. College development leagues, that kind of stuff. And for anybody that's inter- interested in like commentating baseball is. The oldest form of like sports commentary, basically, or, mm-hmm. or certainly one of the oldest forms. And they do it the best too, because every single city has their own broadcast. So mm-hmm. you get people who actually like, know the players on a first name basis interact with them have the inside scoop on the teams they like yeah. travel with they the team
1: during the game sometimes yeah in yesterday's angels game the one of the casters was texting mike trout arguably the best baseball player right now who's mm-hmm. injured he texted him like hey trout what's the weather like uh, like in the middle of an of a baseball game and that's it's novel right and we get that a bit in esports but not as much like like you're pointing out not as much as we would like yeah. But you will hear on on panels, like, oh, you know, Aoi 2000. He's like, oh, I talked to Bulba and he said that their team really loves this. Right. Um, and and they're only kind of starting
0: track, to get whatever. that in esports because a lot of the pro players that were like the first wave are kind of retiring. Oh. So they have these network okay. connections. Yeah. But um, in in like baseball, for example, or, you know, football, what, whatever, soccer, everybody who's European is upset now. But like <laughs> um, the the commentary is an art form that has been perfected and refined in these for a very long time. And like esports has good commentators. They have good hosts. They have this kind of stuff. But if you want to get better at, at your craft, if you're, if you're a caster or you're interested in creating content and stuff like that, just take a look at traditional sports. Like the fact that there is, I don't, you know, there, there's like kind of forays into creating like Sports Center-esque stuff for esports, but it's not really yeah. well done. There are highlight channels, but they're not really like they don't capture what Sports Center did for me yeah. growing up as a kid. Um, and and like the 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 commentary, the conversational style, uh, like there's so much cool stuff in sports that is just there for the taking and translation into esports that has not been taken advantage of in my opinion um that could really just elevate what happens in esports to such a huge degree if esports people could either know about it or like push the ego down of like we're gonna do this better than traditional sports and just kind of like adopt some things um so i don't know that that's (laughs) my little soapbox rant about and that's actually why i got into esports is because i love real sports and I see esports as something that could become just as big and just as cool with a little bit of extra work.
1: Absolutely. I mean, again, I'm a relatively new, like, big time sports fan, but I've always been around it. And I agree completely, right? One of the big things in both sports and esports is obviously players, right? And mm-hmm. one of the main criticisms of esports uh you know competitors athletes some would say um is they are they don't they're not good at the personal branding side of things right Right. like there are if me being from dota i'm not personally super into pro dota to be perfectly honest but a lot of pro dota players do not have a name for themselves and even within their like language base right so obviously you know if you're a russian pro player you're not going to have a lot of english you know content but in baseball right like if a game ends there is an interview with uh a player usually the best player like who made the biggest play at the end or whatever or you know like jared walsh hits a grand slam last night to win the game he then uh, you know has an interview right after the game ends and that's exciting mm-hmm. right or you know the yankees lost last night and then aaron boone the manager of the yankees he has a after uh he's like a press conference afterwards where he asked answers questions and you know all that kind of stuff. We don't do that in esports, right? Like a lot of pro players have no sense. Maybe also because they're they tend to be younger and they don't have coaching for this. Whereas athletes do tend to have like media coaching is like part of becoming coaching. a professional. Yeah, but that's always been something that absolutely blows my mind. Especially making content to make this full circle is how many pro players will not do an interview, right? Or like will not talk about the game. Like you, your job is this game. Like <laughs> you, all you have to do is talk to me for like forty five minutes. And casual. I'm not going to ask you hard-hitting questions. Yeah. We're just going to talk like, oh, why do you like Vengeful Spirit, you know, Koifa, right. or whatever. And then, like, it, it builds them a brand, and that builds them longevity over, all right, maybe you're going to stop being an elite-level, uh, you know, Dota player after 15 years, but then you can still do more stuff afterwards, right? right? And that's something that, again, I think it's partially due to the age and the lack of media training, but that's one of the big things that I always think about when I'm watching pro Dota is I don't know these players. Right. Whereas when I watch baseball, I know the players, right? Even for teams that I don't follow, I can watch a, you know, Cincinnati Reds game and I know at least a few players, right? Like I know Castellanos, I know Votto, right? Mm-hmm. So that at least is some base uh, and also they have what uh, Amir something that gets into fights all the time. He's a pitcher like <laughs> that's three players that I know from a team that I have watched like maybe three games of all year because they're not in my league for what I follow.
0: Right. And um, it also so you become fans of them, yeah. too. Right. Because like exactly it, if them. there's a player that you like or maybe even one of the players on the team that you follow gets traded, you can still be a fan of them where it's like exactly. we do have a bit of that in in Dota where it's like Artesia. Yeah. Right. No matter where Artesia goes, he's yeah. going to have fans. But you know why he has fans? Because he streamed to thousands and thousands of people yep. very consistently for several years. And it's exactly. like, I, I just remember at TI8, I think it was TI7, TI8, when they first started doing the loser interviews. And mm-hmm. there was so much pushback. Why are yeah, you interviewing like, these people right after this? Like, dude, yeah, do you, do you want to job. become a legitimate like professional? Because this is done in every sport ever because this is
1: some of the like the rawest yeah. takes you're going to get period yeah and it's honest and it's interesting like it's yeah. yeah yeah like yeah and again that's why we need some media trends like you know if you're lo- if you lose a game you can't just be like oh yeah we played bad oh well you know whatever right. like you know you'd be like all right you know we messed up this draft right we'll come back next game We have this strategy, all right, other team played well, cool, done, right? Or you can do crazy drama things, right? Like, that's also fun. And that's also, like, building a brand. Like, in baseball right now, uh, uh, what's his name? Josh Donaldson, he is kind of a notorious insane person, but he's really good for the sport in some ways because he makes headlines and he makes feuds. And there's a, there's a budding rivalry between the Minnesota twins and the Chicago white Sox in large part because Josh Donaldson talks a lot of smack, but he's on a terrible team. Right. (laughs) And like he hits F you home runs just to make a point. Right. And he's a player that is driven by spite, which is just an incredible, like um, what's it called? Like storyline. Right. And so if we had that, In Dota, where it's like, oh yeah, like this guy hates this other guy because they were on a team together, and Puppy stole a bunch of money from him or whatever. Like, oh yeah, EE destroyed this guy's team, so now they're (laughs) facing off, and there's some there's some feud. Both of those are true. Um, EE, but it's like EE is another good example of what you're saying, where like EE has fans because he is a personality. He hasn't been relevant like as a him, pro player or, in
0: several years, right? He's He hasn't been and, and on a good yet. team in a couple of years, but he still pulls thousands <laughs> of viewers on Twitch and everybody is still interested to watch him play every time he comes yeah. into a tournament. And people
1: think he's better than he is because of his name recognition. Right. Whereas some no-name person who never streams or when they stream, they don't have cam or when they stream, they don't talk. Like that player might be way better, but they don't have name recognition. So it's all like a self-sabotage kind of thing, right? Where they are doing the pro player thing without doing any of the secondary parts right so kind of like we talk about the content creation they're gambling on all right if you're a no-name player you need to win tournaments that's the only way you make money as a no-name player but if you're a player with secondary income sources and with secondary ways to do things within dota or within valorant or within csgo or within hearthstone you can pivot you can say all right i didn't win this tournament but i'm going to invest my time into streaming and i'm going to be able to pay my rent Yep. Right. Or I'm going to be able to do this. Or, oh, you know, maybe this isn't giant with me. Maybe I got an injury. I have carpal tunnel. I'll go cast TI because I'm fear and I'm allowed to do that because everybody knows me and likes me. Right. right, Generally. Right. So that's something that obviously we feel the same about. But I really, really, it kills me how many. This applies also to to other things um, where I'm just like, dude, like spend a little bit of time doing media training for the people that need, like that are people. Like they are. (laughs) Publicly known people, like, right. I, we definitely am not going to do this tangent, but, like, I'm into K-pop, and one of the big things about K-pop is, like, media training, where the people that their job is to be liked as a singer or as a dancer or whatever, sometimes they're not media trained and they say dumb things. And it's like, well, if you spent one hour a week teaching this per- person to not, like, you know, say a certain racial slur <laughs> in a certain language, right. like... You know, that person would instantly not have drama internationally, whereas because you didn't spend that like a one week session saying, all right, if you sing a song in English, if you see this word pop up, skip it because it's bad to say in English. Right? right. That doesn't take long. And so media training is something that fascinates me because it is so painfully obvious when people do not get it, but their job is to be a public person. Right. So we have that <laughs> in esports. We have that in music. We have that everywhere. Right. Totally. Some deep pulls coming here from my uh, referential base. But, you know, it's it's just fascinating. Everything's interconnected and especially competitive things. Totally, totally. Well, I mean, I, I think that's basically all
0: I have for you in terms of. Uh, taking up your time, I don't want to waste your time, I don't want to waste <laughs> the listeners time, we've we've gone on, on many different tangents, but I think we've kept it relatively cohesive in terms of. like. Oh, yeah content creation and how everything is interconnected like you said so i just want to say thanks again for joining me on this uh first episode of the podcast that i'm doing here we'll see whether i can make it past five episodes <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll see we'll see you just gotta pass the ppd bar which is pretty low so at least <laughs> when we make it past there i mean I, it was good fun like obviously i love doing this kind of stuff i love talking and it's nice to do like a show like this because i'm not like, uh, I'm not in the structure of my own show. So we get to talk about baseball. Whereas my co-hosts, as lovely as they are, do not want to talk about baseball, right? That will never happen on a 4th Spirit podcast, despite how much I might want it to happen um so i'm more than happy to spend my afternoon doing this i would be more than happy to do it all over again <laughs> well cool well
0: maybe we'll have you back in uh, a few episodes once i get past the ppd bar and it's kind of cool <laughs> yeah. because i've been on your show once and so now you've been on my show once so we'll oh we'll, yeah we'll, we'll kind of figure out uh who's next and and we'll, <laughs> we'll, i'm sure <laughs> we'll, we'll do another one here pretty soon um do you have anything that you want to plug what are you up to is there anything that you'd like to kind of shout
1: out before i let you go No, I mean, like, you can follow me on Twitter, um, at Ursinity, U-R-S-I-N-I-T-Y. That's, I'm always on Twitter. I tailor my Twitter to be mostly, like, esports and, like, my thoughts and stuff like that. I very intentionally cut out some of my, like, personal hobby stuff, because I know that's not what people want, um, but my Twitter is a good place to be, and if you, if you want to contact me, ask me questions, like, that's the place to get at me, or Discord, I'm always on Discord, um to a fault some might say (laughs) Uh, and then yeah my podcast as i've said the title many times is fourth spirit um we do two dota shows a week we do an extra show for patrons every monday uh it is a good time we always like viewer questions listener questions including questions that are not about dota right like we if you want to ask a content creation question on that feed go for it right Uh, if you want to ask a very specific like fourth spirit question like oh why does this happen or why did you do this make this decision i'm game Despite so yeah, um, all the evidence, to the contrary
0: Dota players are a little bit more than just Dota players. Hopefully this podcast <laughs> has been a little bit illuminating for.
1: Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, we we realize that people tune in to for a Dota podcast. so That's why we try to keep the tangents to a minimum, which is why we could be a bit more tangential here. But um, we're we're definitely not afraid of going on a, on a tangent on the fourth spirit network of podcasts. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: All right, Sam Ursi, I I appreciate you uh, for coming on, and spending an afternoon with me. Hopefully, uh, we can do it again soon. And uh, with mm-hmm. that, we will we'll will go ahead and sign out.